Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We are in a series called Fully. In this series on whole life stewardship, we are learning what it means to give every area of our lives fully to Jesus. Thanks for joining us. My name is Jenny Carroll. I live with my husband, Jeremy, and I've got four kids. Like many men and women, um, I've had a lot of diet culture and struggle with the way that I felt about my body. I was so obsessed with all those different things. Every Monday I was gonna try some new plan and then by Wednesday I'd failed and then I felt shame about it and so then I would start over again. And it was just like this constant battle in my mind of you know things I was seeing, conflicting messages, things that social media was making you feel. In scripture, you know, it says that the body is a temple and I think that in order for me to really live life to the fullest the way God wants me to, I need to make sure that I'm taking care of my body and looking at it the way he does, which is really honoring it um, with the you know gifts and talents that he's given me or, or anyone else in the way that he's created our bodies, which is not necessarily the way that the world um, sees a perfect body, you know. And and I'm never going to have a perfect body. I never did, and I never will. But at the same time, I can you know do my best to honor God with my body. Which one of those things would be? What am I putting in it, and how am I treating it? Uh, and I can't make those determinations about treating it well or, you know, making it the best that it can be on my own. I think you have to recognize that you have to do it with him. When I really just started to focus on like one thing at a time, like I can't do all the things. Like I can't get my nutrition in order and start an exercise program and, you know, do all these things. But can I do one thing at a time and can I do it with God and can I ask him to come alongside me, then maybe I can feel like a little bit of success and celebrate that with God and then, you know, go to that next step. When I learned that it wasn't so much about weight, but it was more about, am I taking care of myself so that I can do the things that God's asking me to do and that I can't do it by myself? That was sort of a real turning point. A lot of times I think God was prompting me to do things that were going across the tip of my mind, but his voice was faint because I was so overwhelmed with all the messages the enemy was giving me about shame and diets and New Year and like all these different things that I should be doing. And so since I've been able to really clear that away, I would say I don't have complete freedom from that because I think it's an ongoing journey. But I have a freedom where I've been able to hear God's voice much more clearly in the last year because I'm not obsessed with diets and eating and exercise. I'm doing those things, but I'm doing them with God instead of by myself. And that's made a tremendous difference. You don't realize until you have some of that freedom how much the enemy gets at you about your body. So grateful for these testimonies we've been able to share together. It's part of what it means to do life together, just the vulnerability uh, that we've been able to see. And obviously, as you can tell there today, we're talking about the body. If you are new to us, we've been in the middle of a little series we're calling Fully. And if you're following on your notes with me this morning, here's the idea behind this series. We're learning to give every area of our lives fully to Jesus. That's kind of it. And the idea behind this series comes straight from our vision as a church family. Like if you're like, what does Cherry Hills want to be about? Chuck already mentioned this, but here's our vision. To see people of every generation giving themselves fully to the way of Jesus and his mission. And so what it's, we, we're kind of zeroing in on that word fully. What would it look like for us to give ourselves, our whole selves, 
fully to Jesus. This is kind of a different concept in our culture where we've created different categories. I talked about this in the first week of this series, but I think most of us, especially in the Western world, think of our lives like this pie, right? I've got all these areas of my life and I keep my spiritual life separate. But really, as followers of Jesus, that's not how we're to think about our lives. This is how we think about our lives. God owns everything in my life. I'm simply stewarding the gifts that he has given me. And so in this series, we're kind of narrowing down on six particular areas in our lives that God asks us to steward for him and for his glory. If you were here last week or if you weren't here, Brian talked about how we steward our minds, and it was a powerful message. I encourage you to go listen to that. And today, I get to speak about stewarding our bodies, and you may wonder, why did we break it up that way? Well, obviously, Brian is much smarter than I am. And when it comes to the body, I mean, let's just be real with each other right now, right? (laughs) And if you're new here, that is supposed to be a joke, right? Okay. Anyway, I grew up in the church my whole life, spent my time in the church. Never one time, one time did I hear somebody give a message on stewarding our bodies. And I kind of wondered why that was until you really start to think about it. And I think there's two reasons. Number one, our bodies are personal things. So when you come to church, I'm like, don't talk to me about personal things. Talk to me about spiritual things. And that really leads to the second reason I don't think many people have ever talked about this body in the church. It's because we've created these categories that I already alluded to. Categories like secular and sacred types of things. And if you're following on your notes, here's what I think has happened in the American church. We've mistakenly separated our soul from our body. You could insert the word mind there if you preferred for soul here, but basically we think of these as separate things, my body being less important than my spiritual life. And yet when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment that we could follow as your followers? Look at what he said in Mark chapter 12. In fact, let's read this out loud together there. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The Greek word there for strength literally is the physical things of your life. Love God with the physical things of your life that includes your body. But we have separated those things. We've separated, quote, spiritual things from physical things. And friends, this is nothing new. This is exactly what was happening in the New Testament churches as well. Paul often had to write to these churches that were doing this very same thing because we and those churches have been influenced by Greek philosophy. And Greek philosophy essentially teaches that the body, I will quote, the body is a tomb. It is a prison house for the soul. And that mentality started creeping its way into the early churches, making the body way less important than what would happen in our spirits, in our souls. In fact, the body was a hindrance, and so it led to two extremes. You can see in the churches, and you see this still today. The, the first extreme is that we needed to deny our body at all costs, right? We got to beat it into submission so that it doesn't get in the way of the more important things of the soul. The other extreme that it led to is that I can do whatever I want with my body. Since my body is not really important to God, I can treat it, I can use it however, whenever I want it to. And this is the two extremes we'll see in every issue. You go to legalism or you go to license. You can look at every issue in the Bible and people will always take it to two extremes. I will always take it to two extremes. Now the word for this, what they were doing is called dualism. 
Have any of you ever heard of dualism? You can already probably, if not, understand what it is. Here's a picture of what dualism looks like. I really hope you appreciate my artistic abilities here. But if that's me, dualism suggests there's two parts of me. And one part is more important than the other. The soul is much more important than the body. Now, I'm going to talk about those two extremes, the legalism license type thing in a little bit, because this is still what we're dealing with today. But maybe you just need a little convincing that doing an entire message on the body is worth it. Here's what I think. Again, if you're following on your notes, God often speaks about the importance of our bodies. More than any other religion in the world, did you know that the Judeo-Christian roots we have have the highest view of the human body? How do I know that? Well, let me give you at least four reasons, five reasons. First of all, we believe that God created the world with one word, and he created it as a physical world, including creating human beings with physical bodies. And what did he say about it? This is good. This is good. So right away, we see the physical realm. Our bodies are good in the eyes of the Lord. He could have created us as amorphous spirits just floating around in some spiritual realm if it didn't matter, but he didn't do that. He created a physical world for us to inhabit as physical beings. Second reason we know the body is important. When you start getting into some of the laws that God sets forth for the people of Israel, tons of them have to do with protecting your body and other people's body, right? Putting up these guidelines that people are not to be mistreated or abused, any sort of violence of any kind. He even included a law that said, hey, I want you to rest your bodies one day a week out of seven. A third reason we know bodies are important is because when God came to redeem his people, how did he come? He came in the flesh. Again, if all that mattered was our souls or our spirits, he could have just come as some spirit and done away with whatever it is he needed to get away with. But he came as God in the flesh. I'm teaching my history class right now, and we're learning one of the greatest scandals of the early church was that right there. How could God come in the flesh? People couldn't understand that because they had been so influenced by dualistic thinking. One more thing we see when he was here, we're learning this in Mark. You know that he spent one third of his time here on earth healing people's physical bodies. We often think, well, that was less important than the other work Jesus did, but it must have been pretty important if he would spend one third of his time touching people and healing people in their physical bodies. Fourth reason we know the body is important is when Christ rose from the dead, how did he return to his disciples? In a physical body. And we're promised as his followers one day, we too will be given a new perfect physical body for all eternity. How many of you are ready for that right now? I know I am. And then the final reason I want to get to, and this is where we're going to spend most of our time today, comes from the passage I'm going to invite you to turn to if you haven't already, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6. We'll be starting in verse 12 in a little bit, but this is really the central text for how important our bodies are and why we should steward them for God's glory. If you don't have a Bible, we have some underneath there in the black Bibles. You can find this passage on page 927 of those black Bibles. Now, I want to get right into it. I'm going to skip to the end. We'll come back to verse 12. But here's the big idea in this passage. It's found in verses 19 through 20, which I'm going to invite you to read right now on your notes with me. It says... Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? 
You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Jenny alluded to this in the video we got to see, but if you're following on your notes, why are our bodies important? Because if you're following through the Holy Spirit, God resides in our bodies. Let's just pause and let that sink in for a minute. Christ is in you, in his spirit, in your body. I don't understand the whole mystery of that. But if that's true, listen, do we need any further proof that the Lord places a high value on our body? Paul uses this image, an interesting image, that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit. What's the temple? Well, obviously, this is a reference back to the Old Testament. The temple was the place where God's presence dwelt, and only one person, one time a year, would even dare enter into the presence of God. But now we're told that through Christ's death and resurrection and ascension into heaven, he has sent his presence into every believer. All of us now carry around the presence of God in our bodies. And so the point is, I should probably treat my body the same way that they treated the temple way back in the days. If you're following on your notes, our body was created for God, by God, to honor God. Now that idea of honor, Jenny mentioned that as well, right? We honor God with our bodies. It's the same idea of stewarding our bodies, recognizing God is the owner of all things. I'm simply here to steward what he's given us. So if you're following, honor means to reflect God's glory by the way we live. The way we honor God is basically to be a mirror of who God is in this world. People should look at us and go, oh, there's something different about them. They're reflecting the glory in God in the way they live. I steward my body then. We steward our bodies because we want to bring glory to God. That's it. Paul even says, this blows my mind, the way we can use our bodies can actually be an act of worship to God. Last week, Brian mentioned Romans 12.2. Look at what Paul writes in Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, what? To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The way we use our bodies can be a way that we worship God. And friends, if this is true, if you believe it's true, We can no longer think dualistically about our bodies and our souls. The two are joined together. It's supposed to look like this. I paid attention in science class. Blue and red make purple. We are one whole complete thing. Mind, bodies, spirits, all joined together to make us who we are. And we're to offer all of us All of who we are is a living sacrifice to God, including our Bibles. And yet, that's not where we live today in our culture, nor is it where the Corinthians lived in their culture. And that way of thinking, the dualistic way of thinking, as I've already kind of hinted at, leads to two false ways of thinking about our bodies. And if we're not careful, we can fall into the trap of believing these two false ways. If you're following on your notes, here's two extremes. If you're following, there is a danger of worshiping or misusing our bodies. If we think dualistically, then there's this danger of either worshiping or misusing our bodies. And the truth is, we all tend to lean into one of these two extremes. I can be extreme in my desire for health. 
that it becomes all-consuming. It's all I think about. It's all I want. It's what I need. Or I can simply misuse my body because like the Corinthian church, I simply set it aside and say, this isn't as important as what's happening in my soul or my spirit. And it's that second view the Corinthians took. And so I'm grateful Paul addresses this issue. If you still have your Bible open there, we're going back to verse 12 now. We're going to walk through what Paul says about misusing our bodies. Verse 12, he writes, he's quoting them saying, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. What's going on here? Well, Paul's basically quoting this popular phrase that was going around in the Corinthian church that they were basically saying, listen, I can do whatever I want with my body because it has no connection to my soul, to my mind, to my spirit, whatever word you want to use there. I have the right in Christ, now that I have been forgiven from sin, to use my body in any way that I want. This is literally the world we inhabit today. Let me explain. Dualistic thinking is all over our culture. When you take any of the big issues today, let's take abortion, euthanasia, transgenderism, homosexuality, you name it, it all comes down to this fundamental idea of dualism. The way philosophers talk about it today is called personhood theory. What makes a person a person, right? And what's happened is our bodies no longer speak into who we are as people. I'll take some examples. Let's take abortion, for example. Nobody today would disagree that life begins at conception. Nobody disagrees with that. Where the disagreement comes is when does a person become a person? So if a person doesn't become a person at conception, you can see where that leads. Let's take another example, hookup culture. It's everywhere right now. And the argument is simply, there's no connection between my body and what I do with it and my emotions and my mind and my psychology. Let's take transgenderism. You have somebody who says, I feel like a man trapped in a woman's body. What they're saying is my body cannot speak to who I am or who my identity is. This is what personhood theory is. And if you're interested in going deeper into this, many of us on the staff have read this book. I would really encourage you to take a look at this book that Nancy Piercy wrote called Love Thy Body. This is a philosophical book. It's not like, hey, this verse says this here. It's, hey, let's understand from a bigger perspective. Do our bodies actually tell us something about who we have been created to be? That's personhood theory. Now, in the case of our passage here, what's happening is literally Paul addresses the issue of sexual immorality. These Corinthians are, you want to get specific, here's what they're saying. I can be as immoral as I want, And it makes no impact when I go to church on Sunday morning. Specifically, they were having sex with prostitutes throughout the week and saying, there's no connection, Paul. I am free to do whatever I want with my body. It has no direct relationship to my relationship with God. But Paul puts an end to this way of thinking. There is a connection with our bodies and who we are as people. We are not disembodied spirits, right? We are embodied people. I got made fun of that phrase. I sent it in an email to you two weeks ago. Do you understand what that means, though? We're not separate. You can't separate your body from who you are as a person. This is true throughout Scripture. I love what David writes in Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh, God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. Now, look, my soul thirsts for you. 
My whole body longs for you. He understands we steward all of who we are and all of who we are can give glory to God. There's no separating our body from our spiritual life. Paul says the same thing. If you still have your Bible open in verse 15, some of the most important verses in this conversation today. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Or maybe we should fill in the blank here. Or abuse it with overeating. Or get into pornography. Or hook up sex. Or whatever issue is on the table today. Should we do that? And he says, never. That's like as strong as language that Paul can get, right? Listen, understand there's a connection between what you're doing with your body. And the rest of your spirit and your life and your soul and your mind. You can't separate these things from one another. The word Paul literally uses in Greek is, you're glued together with Christ. All of you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're glued together with him now. So if that's true, it's inconceivable that we would separate our bodies from that. That we would rip apart our bodies from this connection we have with Jesus. Let me give you an illustration. What would you say, what would you call it, if I went home after church today, I don't need to today, it's nice and warm today, but let's say I wanted to start a fire. And to start the fire, I started ripping pages out of the Bible and using that for the kindling. What would you call that? What's the word for that? It's called sacrilegious, where you take something holy and you don't use it for the purpose for which it was intended. And I'm just going to ask you, what happens in the mind of God when we take this good, beautiful temple that he's given to us and we misuse it? When we don't use it for the purpose for which it was created to, which is to bring honor to God. This was a huge thing for me in college. Um, this verse right there, verse 15. I'm united with Christ. It led me to start asking questions like, does it matter what I watch? Does it really matter what I listen to? I was pretty dualistic in high school about those things. It doesn't matter. And I got to this point like, ah, if he's with me, as Jenny said over and over, I love that we do it with God. If he's with me, Everywhere I go, everything I watch, everything I do, I think it matters what I'm watching. I think it matters the kind of music that I'm listening to. I can't disconnect those things from my spiritual life as much as I would like to. I don't know who said this. I love this quote. They wrote, our bodies are the custom designed creation of the sovereign God of the universe who loves us so passionately that he spilled the blood of his son to redeem us and adopt us, reclaim us and equip us, and empower us to make a difference in this world. And to do that, he takes up residence in our body. So if you're following, when we abuse our body, we're not treating it as God's temple. Many years ago, our car was in the shop for a full week. And uh, the car they let me borrow was a BMW. I'd never driven a BMW in my life before, so I was like, this is my chance. So I got on the highway, I went 160. I took it in the back roads, I was just abusing this BMW, because this was my chance to drive a BMW. You see where I'm going with this? I didn't actually do those things. But I wanted to. What happens when we take this incredible gift, nicer than a BMW, and we abuse it? And we don't use it 
for the purposes for which God intended us to use it. Friends, you don't own your body, Paul writes. You only steward it. It's bought at a high price. So learn to honor God with your body. Are we doing this, church? I know right now I can sense it in this room. It's a lot of quiet. It's a lot of guilt, maybe a lot of shame. A lot of consideration. I've prayed this morning there's not condemnation, but maybe there needs to be some conviction. Are we using our bodies in a way that glorifies God? Guilt gets us nowhere unless it leads us to repentance. But what I'm asking us, including me, I struggle with this as well. Am I willing to start seeing my body as a way to honor God? Am I start willing to see this amazing gift he's given me as an opportunity to worship him with my life? Now listen, on the other side of misusing our body, there are those who might worship their bodies. Like so many things we have today, take clothes or friends or phones, relationships, right? We take these good things and it's so easy for us to make them into ultimate things. Nobody probably here thinks, yeah, I worship my body. I mean, I'm hoping none of you have ever stood in front of a mirror and sang the famous hymn, I stand amazed in the presence, right? Not one of us have done that. If you have, I'll have to speak to you after this, right? But really, what is worship? It's just placing something of high value above as the top thing, as your most important thing in life. And typically what we worship comes down to where we're spending our time, our energy, our resources, our money. So I know people don't necessarily think we're worshiping our bodies. I'm just taking care of my body. But there's a, there's a, Fine line there where it can turn into something else, right? So take a look at your calendar. Take a look at your time allotment. Take a look at where you're spending your investments. Does it become something you've placed above God, above worshiping God? If abusing our bodies is sacrilege, what is it called when we take something of creation and move it ahead of God? What is the word for that? Idolatry. I'm reading Jeremiah right now. Pray for me. It's going on and on. And here's the message. God's not a fan of idolatry. It's not just because God is jealous. It's because God realizes where idolatry will ultimately take us. It will take us to a dead end. It will take us to a, a meaningless life. And if you're following on your notes, when we worship our body, we turn it into an idol. Tell me this isn't also happening in our culture today. Who are the people we put up on pedestals? The perfect people. Who aren't perfect, they have to get tons of airbrush stuff done, right? But we put them on the pedestals and we think, oh, I got to be like that. And it's led to so much shame, so much guilt, so much body image problems. Why is every other commercial I, when I'm watching TV about weight loss, right? We, we've elevated our bodies to something maybe they shouldn't actually be. Shame and guilt is just influencing our culture, especially the young women of our culture. That's not right. That's not how God wants us to view these things. We need to be set free from that. Paul understood the danger of this as well. He wrote these words in Timothy. I have them on the notes there. Would you read them? He wrote, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Now, I don't know how you read that. I used to read that like, eh, physical training. It's of some value, I guess. It's not as important as the spiritual stuff, but I actually have come to realize, I think he's actually saying, it is of some value. 
Just don't make it the ultimate thing. Just don't make your physical life the thing you worship and are all worried about. Listen, staying healthy is a good thing. It's a way we can actually worship God. Have you ever thought of that? When I'm at the gym, I'm like, I can, I'm worshiping God. I'm worshiping God right now. But I can take that to an extreme. That's all we're saying. Our family is all about being healthy. And I want to do that because I want to steward the gift that God has given me to the best of my ability. The question isn't, is healthy being good? Is being healthy good? No, it's why. Why do I want to be healthy? And that is fundamentally the question we must each answer, right? In these two extremes. Am I misusing my body or am I worshiping my body? Here are some tests. And you can know if you're in danger of this. Are you ever satisfied with the way you look? God is. He created you and he loves you. Can you ever truly be skinny enough or healthy enough or strong enough or beautiful enough? For some, the answer is no. It's for me sometimes. I just did this 10-week program last fall. And my goal was to lose X amount of weight. I won't tell you. And when I got to the end of the 10 weeks, I didn't even come close to that. Some of that is because of the medications that I'm on because of my transplant. And I felt really discouraged by that. Until I was in a conversation with some folks who were like, yeah, it wasn't what I wanted, but I feel better than I've ever felt. I'm like, oh, so do I. I've elevated this above what I should have elevated it. I've taken care of the vessel that God has given me to the best of my ability. And I want to believe he's pleased with that, not with some number that I've arbitrarily put on a page for myself. My goal is to take the best care of the gift God has given me and view that as an act of worship. And so as we wrap up, I'm just gonna get practical here about how we can offer our bodies as a gift to God. What would it look like for you to honor God with your body? First of all, for those of you who lean towards the worship side, it's quite simple. It might just be time to say, how much time am I really investing in this? How much money, how much energy am I investing in this? Ask God to search your heart. Am I placing this above you? And listen, it's not that you need to give up any of that stuff. I'm not suggesting that. What I'm suggesting, though, is maybe I need to train myself in godliness as much as I'm willing to train my body. For those of us who lean towards neglecting or misusing our bodies, I'm going to close with just a few things for us to consider about how we can worship and honor God with our bodies. I feel really weird about doing this. I'm just going to name it. I thought about cutting this out because I am not a physical trainer by any means, as you can tell clearly. But I do think it's time for us as the church to talk practically about some of these things and change our mindset of saying, singing a song is worship, yes, but so is the way that I treat my body. I can worship God with some very practical things in my life. So number one, and I'd be remiss not to mention this in light of this passage, commit to keeping your body sexually pure. We think our culture is just crazy today. It's no different than it was in Paul's culture in Corinth, right? When it comes to sexuality. What the Bible prohibits from Genesis all the way to Revelation is what is called sexual immorality. What is sexual immorality? Friends, sexual immorality is any sexual intimacy outside of a union and marriage between a male and female. Genesis to revelation. Some people like to argue today, well, Jesus never talked about that. Yes, he did. We're going to look at it actually in a few weeks in Mark chapter 12, when he reaffirmed God's original design for sexuality spelled out in Genesis 2. Paul writes it this way in Ephesians 5, 3, but among you, 
who? Believers. There must be, not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Why are they improper? Don't you know your bodies? They're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you need to do what I needed to do? I needed to do this. I carry Christ with me everywhere I go. He is with me. That means he's with me with what I watch, with what I look at the internet on, the way I interact with others. Christ is with me in all of these situations. I know this sounds so out of date or irrelevant or even intolerant today in a culture that worships sex. But it's no different than it was in Corinth. Paul wants us to understand what if the things the culture is telling us brings freedom is actually enslaving us? What if there really isn't freedom in all the freedom, the things of this world, this culture promises? I was reading that book. I'll point to you again to that Percy book. But research has shown that those who cohabitate before marriage are more likely to divorce. Sadly, Christians are nearly as likely to cohabitate as non-Christians. Hookup culture, right? This thing is just like, it doesn't matter if I just go have sex with somebody. It matters. Research is showing. It's wreaking havoc, especially on women. Did you know that research shows again and again and again that the happiest people in their, in their sex life are those who are committed together in a lifelong one-on-one relationship, male-female? Again and again. It's like God knew what he was doing. Right? It's like God set up these boundaries for us to actually experience freedom, not what the world is telling us. Pornography. Oh. Ugh. It's ruining young men and marriages. What is pornography? Pornography simply reduces a woman or a man to nothing more than a flesh that can be consumed. Again, I'll point you to that book. I really think you would appreciate that. But here's my big idea about all this. Again, we're going to talk about this next week as well. Maybe the freedom we think we're being promised isn't actually leading to freedom. Maybe God's rules on these things are actually meant to free us to enjoy our bodies in a much better way. Number two, this is where I start to get really weird. Commit to eating a healthier diet. I don't think any of us on New Year's Eve of 2022 wrote down on a piece of paper, goals, gain 15 pounds this year. I want to be healthier this year. I do personally. And being healthier starts with eating better. And here's all I'd say. Isn't it kind of amazing that the foods we're still supposed to eat today are still the foods that God created in the garden? What are the healthiest foods for us? Vegetables and fruit and whole grains. Again, it's like... God cares for us and knows what is best for us. It's it's weird. Now, I'm aware, very aware in a room like this. And this deserves its own message, but man, this can bring up a lot of baggage. There are some serious issues around eating and food, some psychological issues. And I would say the same thing Brian did last week. Listen, name that. It's okay. We're here for you as a community. Get help with that. We want to encourage you and support you in any way possible. This is a real thing. And this isn't meant to lead to shame or guilt or any of those kinds of things. We're here together learning how to steward our bodies for the glory of God. And if you need help, get help. But I'm just talking generally now. We don't talk about this at all in the church. Eating healthy is an act of worship. We don't talk about it. But we know the biggest problem right now in our country that our country is facing is obesity. 
It's doubled in the last 20 years for adults. It's tripled in the last 20 years for teenagers. What we choose to put in our bodies is a way we can worship God. Third area, commit to staying active through exercise. It's getting really quiet in here now. This is the second most important thing you can do. The best investment you can make in your body to this gift God has given us. Remember what Paul wrote, Timothy? It's of some use. He knows what he's talking about. I did some research on this. Listen to some of the benefits associated with regular exercise. Exercise increases energy levels, elevates metabolism rates, improves blood circulation, strengthens muscles, strengthens bones, decreases blood pressure, reduces stress. I need that, any of you? Increases efficiency of the digestive system, develops aerobic capacity, and improves sleep patterns. That's just a few things. My wife and I are watching Limitless right now on Disney+. Plus. It's a show with Chris Hemsworth that's looking into all of the benefits of exercise. It's just beyond amazing to me. My only complaint about that show is somehow he has to take his shirt off in every single episode, right? (laughs) I think that was like in the contract, but it's interesting. Again, it's like if we take care of our bodies the way God asks us to, they will be better, longer. Here's my advice to you. Do something you like to do, or it won't last. I hear people say all the time, I hate running. Well, don't run then. (laughs) I hate lifting weights. Don't lift weights. Find something you like to do. Do it with somebody else is even better, and commit to doing it, and enjoy it. View it as worship. Can I say that again? You going on a walk can be worship. I love that we're talking about Revelation Wellness again today, right? What a great way to get connected to another community, ladies. Not only for support and accountability, but also just to have some fun and to worship God with your body. I love that's one of the ministries we support here at Cherry Hills. Last thing I'll just mention with our bodies, commit to getting proper rest. God speaks a lot about this in the Bible. I already talked about it. He set a whole day for us apart to say, hey, I created you this way. You need a day of rest called the sabbath but we disregard this today especially you know in the church still like i don't need that i'm a superhuman i don't need a day to rest and yet all of the things we're talking about that are going in our on in our country all these health problems ultimately lead back to this did you know sleep is one of the gifts god has given us can i get an amen for that one sleep Psalmist wrote it this way in Psalm 127 too. In vain you rise up early and stay up late. How many of you convicted right now, right? Toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. There's a sleep problem in our country right now. I think there's this sort of macho idea that like, the less sleep I get, the more productive I'm gonna be, and we're told it's the complete opposite. Did you know... The average adult needs seven hours of sleep minimum a night. And here's the kicker. Two of those must be before midnight. That's been easy for me my whole life. I'm like ready to bed by 845. But how's that for some of you? How's that going? Are you stewarding the body that God has given you? If you have a hard time sleeping, I looked this up. This comes from the Journal of American Medical Association. If you need to gain better sleep... Plug in one of my sermons at night before you go to bed. <laughs> Guaranteed to work. So friends, you may be wondering, what on earth am I doing here today? 
This is the weirdest, strangest message. Why is this pastor talking about stewarding my body? Well, I just want to remind you why I'm talking about this. We want to give ourselves fully to Jesus. Every part of our lives fully to Jesus. And if we want to do that, we need to steward the vessel, the good gift that God has given us to the best of our ability. There was a Scottish pastor by the name of Robert Murray McShane. Some of you might actually use his Bible reading plan, but he died when he was in his early 30s. And while he was, knew he was coming to the end of his life, he said this phrase that I can't get out of my head. He said, I didn't take care of the horse God gave me to ride. He had just abused and used his body thinking that he was glorifying God through that. And he recognized, no, I didn't take care of the incredible gift God had given to me. So friends, I'll close with this. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. If you're following in your notes, will I steward my body in a way that honors the Lord? And I'll just say again, if this is a hard thing to hear, we'll have members of our prayer team down front after the service. We invest in counseling services because we understand these are real issues. We want to meet you where you are. We want to encourage you. We want to do life together with you. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information about our church, visit our website or find us on Facebook. Have a great day.